Okay. All right, church. It's good to be back uh, with you uh, this morning. It's been two weeks since we've been away. Our family had a little bit of family time uh, to spend family time uh, together. Uh, we, we spent a couple of days up in Whistler. Uh, that was fun seeing the city, mountain biking, uh, taking the kids uh, to go to the escape room. That was a lot of fun. I think I was more stressed out than they were. Uh, they're grabbing things I shouldn't, they shouldn't be grabbing uh, within the escape room. That was a lot of fun. We escaped after a million clues. Uh, so that was good. We also went camping uh, last weekend up at Golden Years. It's only an hour away uh, and a lot of beauty to be seen just an hour away. I'm not sure why parents would bring their young kids uh, to go camping. I have to admit it wasn't exactly restful, uh, but it was a, sure, surely a lot, a lot of fun as we were there uh, enjoying the outdoors again. So it's great to be with you at church. I've been tuning in online, uh, joining our, our service uh, through that way. Uh, it's good to be here present uh, in our church uh, physically. Uh, so welcome to you that have joined in here. I've also to those uh, online as well. Uh, also, I, I know uh, as the fall season starts, uh, school is starting as well. So I just want to make a note uh, to appreciate and thank those educators out there. Those are working with our kids uh, at any level uh, of any age at all. You're going back into the thick of things as the fall season starts. I just know that our church and I, we're praying for you. We're thinking about you. Uh, just knowing that uh, this is a tough season for you, a lot of unknowns, uh, but God has called you to this, and I pray that he'll protect you, uh, that he will lead you uh, during this fall season. Uh, let's just pray before we uh, go uh, dive into the word this morning. Uh, Father, uh, we thank you uh, for who you are, uh, for giving us the word, uh, for knowing us, and for loving us, and for calling us into a relationship with you. This morning, uh, Holy Spirit, I pray that you will come, you will fill our hearts, and fill fill our minds, uh, fill all of us, God, so that we can know you, and so that we can hear your word. I thank you for the privilege we get uh, to be in a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Uh, this morning, I want to start off by asking you this uh, simple question as we continue on in our series called The Letter to the Romans, The Power of the Gospel. I've been hearing how the gospel changes everything. This morning, I want to ask you this question, and with the hustle and bustle of life, uh, with the ins and outs of life, how are you doing? As you're sitting here or you're watching online, watching at home, wherever it is that you're watching from, uh, how are you doing this morning? How's your heart? Uh, how's your spirit? Uh, how are your emotions? Like, what are you thinking? Where's your mind right now, uh, right here? And I think this is a very important question for us to ask because in the passage here today, it talks a lot about us being conquerors, talks a lot about us being free, talks a lot about us experiencing uh, the spirit. Uh, but if we're truthful, and if I'm truthful, there are many times in life where I don't feel exactly that way, where there's a billion things going on in my mind, I'm tired, I, I'm worried about work, I'm worried about that next assignment, I'm worried about what's happening in the fall, I'm worried about my family. Uh, and we, we know intellectually that we're meant to be free. Uh, we know that we're supposed to experience freedom. We know that we're supposed to experience God. But often that isn't uh, the case. And the big idea for us this morning is this, that the story of every, every Christian is actually the story of liberation. That if today, if you're sitting here, you're at home, and you're calling yourself a God follower, a Jesus follower, and you listen and obey God, and you say, God is my Lord and my Savior, then your story is a story of liberation. That your story is a story of freedom. That you've been set free, uh, not from necessarily things of this world, but you've been set free in a spiritual sense. That we read in this passage that we were heading to death, especially from Romans 1 all, all the way to now. We know that the wages of sin is death, and that, that, that is the direction that we are going in. 
But the story of every Christian, if you call yourself a Christian, your, your story is a story of liberation, that we've been freed from death. And the biblical sense of death is, is, is eternal separation from God, and that we're meant to experience him here and right now. And Lord's love, what, what are we trying to do this morning? And my, my prayer and hope for us this morning uh, is that you would experience this freedom. That's the simple uh, uh, yearning of my heart. And I believe the call of God this morning is that you would experience this liberation, that you experience this freedom, that for those that are tired, that you would not be weary this morning, that you would be re-energized by the Spirit, uh, that he would remind you of your calling, that he would strengthen you with his, his power, that you would experience and just live out uh, the good things that God has for us. And in, in Romans 8, if I count it correctly, I think the word spirit was mentioned at least 18 times from Romans 1, all, verse 1 all the way to the end. Uh, and it's really important because this passage doesn't describe so much of who the spirit is, but our experience with the spirit, our experience with the Holy Spirit and what he has accomplished or done in our lives. And we see this in this passage that the, the thing that the Holy Spirit gives us as Christians, as we're liberated from our sin and libera liberated from death, is that he gives us assurance. Assurance that we're saved. Assurance that we have hope. Assurance that we have life right now, that we're not meant to just go through the trenches every single day, that we're meant and we have the possibility and the ability to live with joy, that with the power of the Spirit, the Spirit of God is living in us, that we have this assurance, uh, this hope uh, of God. And that's, that's really important because we're meant to experience eternal life right now. I'm not sure you ever thought about that. Eternal life, we think, well, we accepted God. We accepted Jesus into our hearts and eternal life is waiting for us and heaven is going to be great. And we think about that sometime in the future. But as Christians, the story of every Christian is a story of liberation. And that story of liberation starts right now. It starts right here in this life that we're meant to experience this, uh, this freedom that we're meant to experience this eternal life right now. And again, I've been saying this, that we know this maybe intellectually. Maybe you've experienced this in your heart every once in a while. Maybe some of us don't even understand what that really means, and we've faked it uh, most of our lives. But we're meant to understand that we're, we're to experience this liberation. We're to experience uh, this, this freedom. Uh, the, the, uh, the, this past week, uh, the, the movie world uh, was, uh, I guess, rocked with the news of the death of uh, Chadwick Boseman, uh, as you've, some of you have heard. Uh, he was known uh, to play Jackie Robinson, one of my favorite baseball movies, number 42, uh, and also more, most, more popularly, popularly uh, he's played uh, Black Panther in the Black Panther series in, in Marvel. And he uh, passed away at the age of 43 after a four-year battle with colon cancer. Uh, and it, it really rocked the, uh, the movie world and the social media world that people were, were uh, shocked by because they didn't know about this. Uh, what people also didn't know is that he grew up as a Christian and he was baptized. He attended church and his, his pastor still says he, was a, he believed uh, in, in, in God and he still attended faithfully. Uh, but he uh, deliberately separated his, his uh, public life in movies and, and whatnot from his private life, so much so that he got married at the end of last year. No one knew about that either. Uh, that he deliberately separated his public life from his private life, thinking that, you know what, like, this is what I need. Uh, this is what I need to do. And as I was hearing the story of the shock and the, the posts and whatnot, I was thinking, like, 
Well, how, how true is it that often we think about other people and we worry about other people and we want to know what's going on in their own lives, but we don't even know what's going on in our own life. And we might worry about the life of someone else, but we don't worry about our own lives. We don't even think about how we're doing spiritually, how our physical life is doing, but also how we're doing spiritually. We don't think about how we're spiritually doing. And the question again for you is, how is your spiritual health this morning as we are listening to the word? How are you this morning as you're uh, hearing from the word of God? Are you experiencing this freedom and this eternal life right now? We read in the beginning of uh, chapter 8 here that therefore, Apostle Paul connects the previous idea where uh, how we preached last week that uh, God, uh, he forgives us of our sins. He frees us from our sins, that he is able to deliver us from our sins. God alone is the one that's able to deliver us. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. That if you're in Jesus, in Jesus, if you call yourself a Christian this morning, there's no condemnation for you. There's nothing the world can say. There's nothing that social media can say. There's nothing that your teachers can say. There's nothing that the whole public can say about you that can diminish your worth. Your worth is in Jesus Christ. There's no more condemnation for those that are in Jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. And again, the story of every Christian is the story of liberation. And that's what we're meant to experience. And this astounds me because what was uh, awaiting us, the death and the pain and the sin, uh, that, the, the death that came from sin, uh, that was awaiting us, all of that has been poured into Jesus. And I like what one commentator says, that there is actually a great exchange, that Christ becomes what we are so that we might become what Christ is. So there's a great exchange here through the death of Jesus that he died for us so that we can experience this life and freedom with him uh, right here and, and right now. And this idea too is that you're not only saved uh, from something, which is often what we think about, right? We often think we're saved from something. We're saved from death. Uh, we're saved from hell. But as a Christian, we understand we're not only saved from something, but we're saved to something that we're saved to this relationship with Jesus. We're saved to experience this life with Jesus uh, right here. Uh, but there's this tension, right? I've been saying this. There's this tension in our lives uh, that we don't experience this life right here, right now. There's something going on. And I think the Apostle Paul here talks about this tension. And there's a few points I want to share with us here this morning. Is that if you want to experience life, guys, I just have to say this. You have to choose God. If you want to experience this life, you want to experience eternal life, not just in the future, but right now, this freedom that I'm talking about, this hope that scripture talks about, you're going to have to choose God. Not some time ago, not 15 years ago, five years ago, two years ago, last week, but right here every single day. So you, you want to experience eternal life. You want to experience life and life to the fullest. You need to choose God. Uh, verse 5 uh, to 8, those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. Uh, that word for governed, uh, another way of understanding the mind is governed by the flesh. A way of understanding that is the, the way of thinking. So if your mind is thinking of the flesh, is controlled by the flesh, and that leads to death. And the mind that's, that's uh, thinking of the spirit, that's controlled by the spirit, that leads to death. Uh, so choosing God is always better than not choosing God. 
that's how I, I kind of understand this passage here, that choosing God is always better than not choosing God. And here's why. Because what do we see here in this passage? What happens if you choose flesh, uh, which is really our understanding, the biblical word for the worldly way of things, and not talk about literally your flesh, though I could refer to it as well. It's actually the worldly things, the way that the world thinks, our culture thinks, uh, things that aren't of Jesus. Uh, if you, uh, what happens if you choose that, if a mind that's governed by the flesh versus a mind that's governed by the spirit? And my art skills are very, quite terrible, uh, but I think this diagram will do it. Uh, you ready for this really profound uh, <laughs> sketch uh, that I have? It's not even a sketch. I just wrote this down. <laughs> I can't put it any more simple than this. If you choose the ways of the world, that leads to death. If you think like the world, you will die. If you choose the spirit, you will have life. Understand? This is not complicated <laughs> in the first uh, a few verses here that we see, but it's so difficult to live. It's so difficult for us to experience. And I think it comes down to this. What, why is this so hard for us to understand? I think it comes back down to our understanding of what it means to be a Christian. We think that to be a Christian, it means to accept Jesus and to understand and to accept him into our lives, that he died and he rose again, and that when we believe in him, that we have eternal life. And don't get me wrong, that's definitely right. right? That's theologically sound, that's biblically correct. That is what Jesus has come and, and, and done, and that is what we have received. But that is not the full definition of what it means to be a Christian. The full definition of a Christian, I would say, I would, I, I would argue in this passage, is that you let go of the realm of the flesh, and you choose the realm of the spirit. That's what it means to live every day as a Christian. Not simply because I've accepted Jesus in my life some time ago, it's that every single day I'm choosing the spirit. I'm choosing life instead of choosing the flesh. And that's important for us as we go on and understand this in verse seven, the mind governed by the flesh, so the mind that's in the flesh, that's controlled by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. So it doesn't even not, uh, not want to submit to God's law. It can't even do so. It, it, it's not able to do so. And, and Howard spoke of that last week, that as Christians, we're free from the grips of sin. We actually have a choice, uh, deciding whether we choose to sin or we choose not to. If you don't believe in Christ, if you don't have the Spirit of God in you, you don't even have the choice. There's only one path for you. So verse 8, those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You cannot do it. Not you will not. You just cannot. It's not even a possibility for you. Verse 9, you, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, right? If you call yourself a Christian, you're, you're not in the realm of the flesh, but you're in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Verse 10, but if Christ is in you, then even though your spirit is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give you life, though uh, to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. Something you notice right here, it's quite in your face, is the number of ifs that you read. If Christ is in you, if you choose God, if you're in the flesh, if you're in the spirit, what's with all the ifs? What is Paul trying to communicate uh, to us? And it's this, that we have a choice. Every single day, you have a choice to choose life. You have a choice to choose the Spirit. If you want to experience freedom, then you need to choose God. Every single day. I'm never saying, it's, we're not saying it's easy. 
we're not saying it's not going to be difficult, but every single day, if you want to experience freedom, you want to experience life, then you're going to have to choose to follow God or not. And I like what William James is American philosopher. He says this, when you have a, when you have to make a choice and don't make it, that is in itself a choice. Every single day we have a choice to choose God or not. And Paul isn't only arguing, uh, urging us to live according to the spirit, but he's saying that it's either one or the other. Uh, you either choose God or not. And I know for me, spiritually speaking, my spiritual health, I know I'm not doing well when I'm choosing things of the flesh. That if I'm making decisions that are gratifying the flesh, that's just what I think or what I, what I worry about the world says or just to get, that, um, get the status or what other people will think about me instead of what God is thinking about me. I, I know I'm in an unhealthy place spiritually. And I, I was listening to a podcaster this week and he was saying that I really hope in 50 years from now when our grandkids ask us, how was COVID-19? How was the pandemic? What did you do during that time? That our answer wasn't that we watched more Netflix, that we watched 10 series on Netflix, <laughs> that, uh, that we watched um, uh, that, that the most popular series going on right now, that my kids watched a, a series, uh, episode after episode of Coco Melon. Uh, for those of you that watch cartoons, you know what I'm talking about. Uh, or that you watched a new, uh, that Tiger documentary. Uh, or you are watching that really popular series, number one on Netflix right now, Cobra Kai. Uh, you know, that, that, that's, 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 what, that's what you remembered by, by this time. But maybe at this time, what would it look like if you're saying during COVID-19, I was choosing God every day and I was being sensitive to what God is saying. And I'm living out this life. I was experiencing life like no other in a different way that, that we're experiencing death and pain for sure. But I chose God every single day. What would that look like? What would that look like for me, me and for you? How would that change our society? Number two, you experience life if you live out your identity as sons and daughters of God. And I think for us as Christians living in this world, we could be drowned out by the social media, by, by the news, by all the, the news of sin and death in this world, and we are caught up in that. And I'm not saying as Christians we're oblivious to what's going on in the world. We need to understand what's happening in the world. But we get drowned out more by the voice of the world than, by the voice, uh, by th than the hearing the voice of God and remembering how we're called to be sons and daughters of God and how there's, and I, I, we have uh, this identity in, in, in God and who he says we are instead of what the world is saying about us. Verse 14, for those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. To be a son or to be a daughter means for you to belong. To be a son, to be a daughter of God means you're loved. It means you're cherished. It means you have worth. It means you are known. It means that you're significant. It means that there's a God that loves you more than you could ever imagine. And so much so that Jesus died on this cross for you because that's how much you are worth it. 
I was reflecting upon that this week and just what it means to be a son of God or what it means to be in the family of God for you, maybe a daughter of God. And, and, and Cohen had a, a meltdown at home uh, this week, uh, which, I mean, is not new, I guess. <laughs> uh, but it was a, a meltdown that's worse than usual. He was a little bit more clumsy on one day. He was spilling drinks um, and, and knocking things over and breaking things by accident. And there's one time he tipped um, this, I have this, uh, um, this uh, we're changing one of our cabinet doors and it was leaning against the wall and he bumped in action and it fell over. And from the loud noise, I guess that startled him. And then he started crying. And the next thing he said to our whole family as he yelled, he's like, I can't do anything right. I can't do anything right. And the next thing broke my heart as a father, father he said, I don't belong to this family. And this is a five-year-old uh, saying this because uh, he felt like he was rejected. He felt like he couldn't please his family. He wasn't doing anything right. I don't belong to this family. And I was having this conversation and, uh, with, with uh, Cohen trying to set him down. You know, if you're a parent, you understand there's moments that uh, you just don't have any words because you don't know what to say. You, you're like, as a parent, you should know what to say all the time, right? Like the right thing. But in those moments, you're like, I, I was just so startled by this comment. And I just simply had this question for him. is like, is that true? Is that true that you don't belong to this family? Is that true that you don't belong to us? Like, why do you think this, you know, what is the lie that's going on here? And I'm thinking for us, like, maybe we have this kind of situation in our lives too, that we do certain things, like, well, maybe we're not a Christian or we don't experience God in a certain way. Or you hear this, this voice in the world that puts you down and, and you're not hearing God's voice and you're thinking, I don't belong. But here we're reminded, if you want to experience life, you have, we have to be reminded every single day whether it's through scripture or through community or through, the, through prayer, that we're to understand our identity, that we are adopted into the kingdom, that we belong. That God is saying you have worth. That God is saying you are loved. God is saying you are wanted in my family. So if you want to experience this freedom, are you listening to what the world is saying about you? Or are you saying, listening to what God is saying about you, how you are his son? and how you are his daughter, because his voice is significantly different than the voice of the world. So because if you understand this, then this is true. If we are children, then you are heirs. You're not only known as children of God, but you're heirs. You're meant to reign with him. You're meant to sit with him. You're meant to have power and authority as well with God. Heirs with God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in the sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory, that the God that we follow, he's not shy uh, of any suffering. He understands the cross. He understands what pain is. He understands what you are going through. He understands the pain that you have. Like we have a father that's able to empathize with us and to understand what it is that you are going through. So if you want to experience life now, you're going to need to understand your identity. You're going to need to choose to your identity as sons and daughters of God every single day. Point number three, if you experience life, if you want to experience life now, you experience life if you believe eternal life is actually better than the life right now. And I know this sounds very simple, but I think many of us wrestle with this, that we might intellectually believe that, that life is going to be better, but we don't actually believe it right now. It doesn't actually impact our actions right now. We think that this life is it. We live as if this life was it. So we get 
swept here and there with the tides, with our emotions, with what's going on in the world, instead of understanding of the life that's, gonna, that, that, that's, that's waiting for us. Often we think what is happening here is better than what is uh, happening in the world. And we understand this, right? Like 2020 has been a tough year, to say the least. I just heard in the news, like, if, if that wasn't enough, like, like, that family in Oshawa had that shooting where their uncle came into the family and shot uh, one of the dads dead and three kids and leaving the sister, like, in the hospital. Like, I, we're living in a time with the pandemic, with what's going on in the world, leaving us in, in a lot of pain. And I think as Christians, again, we're not to diminish the pain. We're not to, uh, we're not to say that none of this is, is happening. Because the Apostle Paul sure understood pain, he understood suffering, he understood the grief that's going on. But he still says this, even in the pain that he's going through, and I think this encourages us this morning, even in the pain and the suffering that we're going through, he says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. For the cre- creation awaits in eager expectation for the children of God to be revealed. I consider the same word, that we've been talking about, logizomai, which means logic, to calculate. I, in my own calculations, the Apostle Paul says, the present sufferings that I'm going through, they're not even worth comparing. They're nothing compared to the glory that we're going to experience with Jesus. Is it bad right now? Oh yeah, it's terrible. I'm in pain. I'm in chains. Like, this is a terrible time in our history, but it's not worth comparing the glory that awaits us when we experience Jesus in heaven forever. So I will wait. So I will endure. I will keep praying. I'll keep reading my word. I'll keep being in community. I'm going to keep being with God's people as we suffer together because it's the pain I'm experiencing. Now it's not worth what I'm going to experience with God forever in all eternity. And again, God isn't trying to diminish your pain because your pain is real. But what he is trying to do and what he's trying to say is that God is greater than your pain. The promise God has given you is greater than the pain that you're going through right now. That God is enough. That God will bring you through even when you don't think you can make it through. That God is going to be there to welcome you home. And there sure is a lot of groaning in the world right now. There might be a lot of groaning in your, in your world right now, in your own life right now. And God understands that. And he's saying, bring that to me. Help me to give you life again. Eternal life, not in the future, but experience that life right here and right now. For in this hope, this hope in God, this hope that he's freed us, this hope that he has set us free from sin and death, for in this hope we were saved, but hope that is seen is no hope at all. Who hopes for what they already have? But if we hope for what we do not yet have, we wait for it patiently. So continue hoping. Continue yearning, not for the things of the world, not for the words from people, or appreciation from people, encouragement from people, from the status of this world, from what the world says about you, but hope in God that is unshakable, that's undeniable, that can't be taken away from you. Because God is for you, and God is with you. The Spirit, he helps you in your weakness. As we read later on in this passage, the Spirit, he intercedes for you. God himself is praying for you. 
He understands your pain. He understands what you are going through. He understands the grief that you have. And I'll end this morning by reading the last few verses of this section here. He says this in verse 28. And we know that in all things, and replace this not with other people, but this is for you. This is your promise. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the the image of his son, and that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. And that is God's promise for you. That is God's promise for what awaits you despite whatever it is that you're going through. A few questions as, we, as I end here. How are you experiencing a life of freedom right now? And maybe you have to be honest with, with yourself first and with those around you. You have to confess and you have to pray and you have to get into community and be like, I need, need people to be around me to fight through this. I need people to pray with me and for me that I'm going through a, a season of spiritual dryness and I want to experience this eternal life right now. I haven't been experiencing that. I need that right now. Maybe that's you and maybe that's your response this morning, to run towards God, to choose him again today. Secondly, maybe for you, you have been choosing God, but here's the thing. Every single day, how have you been living with eternity in mind? Or your decisions and your actions and maybe even your emotions are just right here and right now. It just satisfies the flesh. It satisfies this moment instead of thinking about eternity. Do your actions and your words and your thoughts, do they reflect eternity? is eternity in your actions, in your thoughts. In other words, I'll rephrase that. What are you doing now that really matters in eternity? And I think that would give you life if you understand that, if you choose to do that, choose to do what God is leading you to do in that. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for your love. We thank you, God, for your grace. We thank you, Lord, that you died for us and you chose us before we even knew you. Father, I just pray for our church this morning, God, that we would just come before you and just cut out all the lying, the mask, and we just say, God, that we're just tired, that we need to be spiritually filled by you, that we, we're, we don't want to just intellectually know about this life and this peace that you give, but we want to experience it, Lord. So, Father, may you come. Holy Spirit, may you fill our hearts, and may we experience this life of freedom and peace that's unshakable from the things of this world that comes from within because of the spirit that you have given us. Thank you, Lord, that there's no more condemnation, that we're not affected by the ways of the world, by the words of the world, but we listen to you, who you say we are, which is a son and a daughter of God. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. This morning we come.